You're listening to Screen of the Crime, a podcast where we talk about true crime and what would happen if your favorite TV or movie characters committed those crimes. Today, my guest is Antonio Alvarez. <laughs> Tell me about yourself. Introduce yourself. I'm a recent RIT grad. Uh, we used to be co workers for like two years, two and a half years, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm out in the world. And I'm boring. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. Any life updates? Anything you want to chat about before we get into murder? Oh, um, <laughs> interesting way to put it. Um, nope, just kind of looking for work, having a couple interviews, trying to get a nice job at a one of the labs in Rochester. Great. Um, today I'm drinking wine, but Ooh. I just got back from film class. That I'm cup, excited. though, the cheese. It is a cheese. That's cute. No, yeah. So this glass, I know this is an audio recording, but it can it holds a whole glass of a bottle of wine, a whole entire one. I know what you're thinking, impossible, but it's a true. No, statement. it looks pretty large. <laughs> I just love that you know that. <laughs> well, no, I bought it. That's what it's advertised as. Oh, okay. It was ten dollars at Target. And if you can tell from looking through it, it used to say, um, time to unwind. But I'm not a Pinterest gal, so I painted a little cheese on it. Right. Because you drink wine and eat cheese. And, yeah. Anyway, that so is an it, option. <laughs> it's a Chardonnay from Toasted Head. Oh, a little Chard action tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm, t- I'm taking wines of the world. I don't know if you can tell, but now I'm educated. Oh, nice. Maybe we can chat later. Um, or actually, let's just do a wine podcast instead. Of course. Um, it's like wine and crime, so this is what we're going to compare it to. Oh, there we go. That already exists? Never mind. It does. It does, yeah. It's three women from Minnesota. Of course it is. <laughs> um, I made some earrings today. I'm wearing them. This one's a pig. And the other one's a cow. I know. I sent a picture to Red, and Red was like, we're so similar. And he has the exact same earrings. We we both went to the same Michaels and bought the same little snack pack of animals. Love that. But it's it's in honor of this week's episode, which is um, the pig farm murders. So that's fun. What's that? Would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, yeah. Hi everyone. <laughs> My name is Who the Sarah fuck Fluke. are you? <laughs> Who the fuck are you? I am Sarah Fluke, Antonio's gal. <laughs> okay, you're done. <laughs> and I'm done. Thanks for having me on. What <laughs> it was great fuck? having you. I've been cut off. <laughs> I need a drink for this. All right, let's jump into it. The pig farm murders. So a little bit of background. The pig yeah. farm murderer. His name is Robert William Willie Picton, um, and he and his brother David. Yeah, I <laughs> might already know about this one. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's kind of famous. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was tried in the beginning of two thousands, right? Yes. Yeah. 
they owned a farm in Port Coquitlam. That's not pronounced correctly. British yeah. Columbia. <laughs> it's Coquitlam. Mm-hmm. We'll go with that one. And 17 miles east of Vancouver. A worker on the farm um, named Bill Hoscox called the farm a creepy looking place and described Picton as a pretty quiet guy who sometimes bizarre behavior um he had that despite no evidence of substance abuse <laughs> and he would draw attention so he's just a wacky weirdo on the weird pick farm the Picton, yeah the Picton brothers began to neglect the site's farming operations um and instead they registered um a non-profit charity called the piggy palace good time society which i'd go there <laughs> Um, and with the Canadian government in 1996, the year my brother was born, um, claimed to, quote, organize, coordinate, manage, and operate special events, functions, dances, shows, and exhibitions on behalf of service organizations, sports organizations, and with worthy groups. Um, the events included raves and wild parties featuring Vancouver sex workers and gatherings in a converted slaughterhouse on the farm at um, 953 Dominion Avenue in Port Coquitlam or whatever. Hashtag Slaughterhouse Five. Right. I was reading. I was writing and reading, and I was like, "This is a horror movie, is it not?" Like. Yeah. Perfect. Also, who would just go to a rave in an old slaughterhouse? I mean, me probably. It's pretty metal. Yeah, it's kind of cool. <laughs> These events attracted as many as 2,000 people. Members of the Hell's Angels were known to actually frequent the farm. On March 23, 1997, Picton was charged with attempted murder of sex worker Wendy Lynn Estetter, whom he had stabbed several times during an altercation at the farm. Estetter had informed police that Picton had handcuffed her, but that she had escaped after suffering several lacerations. She told them she had disarmed him and stabbed him with his we weapon, and he was released on a $2,000 bond. Yep. Uh, the charge was dismissed in January of 1998. Months later, the Pictons were sued by Port Catquillium <laughs> officials <laughs> for violating zoning ordinances, neglecting the agriculture for which it had been zoned, and having altered a large farm building on the land for the purpose of holding dances, concerts, and other recreations, which I guess is illegal. The Pictons ignored the legal pressure and held a 1998 New Year's party, after which they were faced with an injunction banning future parties. The police were, quote, authorized to arrest and remove any person attending future events at the farm. The society's nonprofit status was removed the following year for inability to procure financial statements, and it was subs subsequently disbanded. Word. So no more Piggy Palace Good Time Society. That's rude. Right. People just want to have fun in the wild. People <laughs> in the just middle of nowhere. Raves <laughs> in a farm. slaughterhouse. Are we allowed to swear? Yeah. Oh, thank God. What are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking scotch. Mm. And you just start getting into that. Bougie. Are you an old Whatever. man now? That's what I don't get that. <laughs> but yeah, I guess. Yep. Yeah, I am. Ripe age is 67. Isley Scotch. Love that smoky this is peatiness. Recent RIT grad, Antonio, 67 years old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so the murders. 
Now, how could a pig farm owner that hosted parties in his old slaughterhouse kill anyone? <laughs> Over the course of three years, Hiscox <laughs> noticed that women who visited the farm eventually went missing. On February sixth, yeah, right, weird coincidence, I guess. Um, on February sixth, two thousand two, police executed a search warrant for illegal firearms at the property. Robert and David Pickton were arrested, and police obtained a second warrant using um, what they had seen on the property to search the farm as part of the British Columbia Missing Woman Investigation. Personal items belonging to missing missing women were found on the farm, which was sealed off by members of the Joint RCMP, which is the Vancouver Police Department Task Force. The following day, Picton was charged with weapons offenses. Both of the Pictons were later released. However, Robert Picton was kept under police surveillance, and, and that's when he got caught. Yeah. <laughs> so on February 22nd, Robert Picton was arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder in the deaths of Serena Abatswa and Mona Wilson. And then on April 2nd, three more charges were added for the murders of Jacqueline McDonald, Diane Rock, and Heather Bottomley. Um, a sixth charge for the murder of Andrea Josberg. No, Josbury was laid on April 9th, followed shortly by a seventh for Brenda Wolf. Um, on September what 20th, year is this? 2002. Damn. On September 20th, four more charges were added for the slaying of Georgina Pappen, Patricia Johnson, Helen Hallmark, and Jennifer Fuminger. Four more charges for the murders of Heather Chincock, Tanya Hulk, Sherry Irving, and Inga Hall were laid on October 3rd, bringing the total to 15. This was the largest investigation of any serial killer in Canada history. On May 26, 2005, 12 more charges were laid against Picton for the killing of Kara Ellis, Andrea Borvin, Deborah Lynn Jones, Marnie Frey, Tiffany Drew, Carrie Kosky, Sarah Diverse, Cynthia Felks, Angela Jardin, Wendy Crawford, Diana Melnick, and Jane Doe. That wasn't her name, obviously. Bringing yeah. the total number of first-degree murders to 27. Excavation continued at the farm through November of 2003. The cost of the investigation is estimated to have been $70 million by the end of 2003, according to provincial government. As of 2015... Hey, for what? <laughs> for the digging. Oh, they were trying to find them by... So they were buried everywhere? Yeah, I think they were also... Like, they knocked down property and stuff. Really tore down that slaughterhouse. Jesus, yeah. Uh, as of 2015, the property is fenced off, underlined by the crown and right of British Columbia. In the meantime, all the buildings on the property except the small barn had been demolished. Forensic analysis proved difficult because the bodies may have been left to decompose or be eaten by insects and pigs on the farm. During the early days of the excavation, forensic anthropologists brought in heavy equipment, including two 50-foot flat conveyor belts and soil sifters to find traces of human re remains. So that's where their 70 million went to. Right. On March 10th, 2004, the government revealed that Picton may have ground up human flesh and mixed it with pork that he sold to the public, much like, um... Sweetie Todd. I was gonna say Texas Chainsaw, but I think that was not correct of me to say that. I don't know. We'll go with that. It was some family that ate people. That was set in the Texas area. The province's health authority later issued a warning. 
they're like, what's up? Your pork may have humans in it. Please don't eat it. <laughs> um, other claims <laughs> other claims was made that he fed the bodies directly to the pigs, which would make more sense because I heard pigs eat everything. Yeah. So the preliminary inquiry was held in 2003, and the testimonies from which were covered by a publication ban until 2010, so we didn't get to hear about them until 2010. Um, at the inquiry, the fact was revealed that Picton had been charged with attempted murder in connection with the stabbing of sex worker Lindy Lynn Estetter in 1997. We already discussed this, but I'll go over her testimony. She testified at the inquiry that after Picton had driven her to the port, I can't say that name, farm. We'll call it Quilly. <laughs> okay, Port Quilly farm and had sex with her. He slapped a handcuff on her left hand and stabbed her in the abdomen. Uh, she stabbed Picton in self-defense. Later, both she and Picton were treated at the same hospital where staff used a key they found in his pocket to remove the handcuffs, handcuffs from her wrist. Must have been awkward. You can yeah. picture that they're like going down the service like thing on two separate beds. <laughs> and he still didn't get charged with it. Isn't that weird? It's crazy. Yeah. I don't get why it was like took them so long. Or, like murder. almost 30 people, right? Yeah. Right it's now. Terrible. Uh-huh, right? Crazy. It's because the pigs ate it. There's no evidence. <laughs> the attempted murder charge against Picton was stayed on January 27, 1998, because the woman had a drug addiction issues, and the prosecutor believed her to be unstable for her testimony, um, so they didn't think she could secure a conviction, because she was A, a sex worker, and B, on drugs. So all the stab wounds mean nothing. Um, the clothes and the rubber boots Picton had been wearing that evening were seized by police and left in an RCMP storage locker for more than seven years. Um, not until 2004 did lab testing show that the DNA of two missing women were actually on those items seized from him. And in 1998, according to Vancouver Police Detective Constable Lorimer Schnenher, that can't be correct. <laughs> <laughs> learned a call made to police. Tip phone line stated that Picton should be investigated in the case of the woman's disappearances. And that was from four years before he was ever even thought about to be involved in the cases. According to Schnenher's account, um, he described at length in his 2015 book about the case, he struggled to attract significant police resources and attention to the case until the 2002 search of Picton's farm by the RCMP. In 1999, the year I was born, Canadian police had received a tip that Picton had a freezer filled with human flesh on his farm. Although they interviewed Picton, who denied killing the missing women, and obtained, obtained his consent to search his farm, they never conducted the search on his farm. Why? Who knows? <laughs> okay. It's time for the trial. I tried to make this less dry because I know trials tend to be dry. So let's get into it. His trial began on January 30th, 2006 in New Westminster, and he pleaded not guilty to 27 charges of first-degree murder in the Supreme Court of British Columbia. The voir dire phase, which according to my Google search, um, was the oath-taking phase. Um, it took most of the year to determine which evidence should be admitted to the jury, and they found that one of the 27 counts uh, was rejected for lack of evidence, so he was now tried for 26 counts. But wait, there's more. On August 9th, Justice Williams split the charges into one group of six counts of first-degree murder and a second group of 
20 counts of first degree murder because he thought 26 counts was too much of a burden to put on the jury. So six counts and then 20. I don't know what the split right there was about. Um, Could have been. Went to school for law, not math. 13. (laughs) Yeah. On January 22nd, Picton faced first degree murder charges uh, for the deaths of Frey, Abatswa, Papin, Josberg, Wolf, and Wilson. The media ban was lifted, um, and for the first time, Canadians heard the details that was found during the long investigation. So here are some of them. Skulls cut in half with hands and feet stuffed inside. The remains of one victim found stuffed in a garbage bag and her bloodstained clothes found in Picton's trailer. Um, Part of another victim's jawbone and teeth found besides Picton's slaughterhouse. A 22 caliber revolver with an attached dildo containing both his and the victim's DNA. Ooh. And in a videotape recording played for the jury, Picton claimed to have attached the dildo to the weapon as a makeshift silencer. (laughs) So, I mean, if you believe that, you believe that, but okay. It's a better story. (laughs) As of February 2007, here's the details of what was presented to the court. Uh, During Picton's trial, lab staff testified on about 80 unidentified DNA profiles, roughly half male and half female, um, have been detected on evidence. uh, The items police found inside Picton's trailer included a loaded 22 revolver with the dildo over the barrel (laughs) and one round fired, boxes of .375 Magnum handgun ammunition, um, night vision goggles, two pairs of faux fur-lined handcuffs, a syringe with three millimeters of blue liquid inside, and Spanish fly aphrodisiac. I don't know what that is. Um, a video repertoire of stuff for a fun time, I guess. I mean, yeah, the handcuffs, the blue liquid, the night vision goggles. Sounds like a casual Saturday night. Yeah, am I right? A videotape of Picton's friend, Scott Chubb, found saying Picton had told him a good way to kill a female heroin addict uh, was to inject her with windshield washer fluid, which I'm assuming that's what the blue liquid is. Mm -hmm. A second tape was played for Picton in which an associate named Andrew Bellwood said Picton mentioned killing sex workers by handcuffing and strangling them and then bleeding and gutting them before feeding them to pigs. Uh, Photos of content of a garbage can be found in Picton Slaughterhouse, which held some remains of Mona Wilson. So there were a couple controversies for the, the court, but it didn't, it didn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'll just tell you. On October 7th, the juror was accused of, quote, having made up her mind that Picton was innocent. Which I don't think, can you even come to that conclusion after all I just said? And then a trial she judge- She quite- a fan of the raves. <clears throat> yeah. She's like, I'm so sad that the piggy fun time place <laughs> was shut down. Um, a, trail, a trial judge, I spelled trial wrong every single time in this document, um, questioned her saying, quote, it's reported to me you said from what you have seen, you were certain Mr. Picton was innocent. There was no way he could have done this, that the court system had arrested the wrong guy, unquote. The juror denied this completely. Justice William ruled that she could remain on the jury since it had not been proven she made the statement. And then it continued. On December 9, 2007, the jury returned with a verdict that Picton was not guilty on six counts of first-degree murder. 
but that he was guilty on six counts of second-degree murder. A second-degree murder conviction carries a punishment of a life sentence with no possibility of parole for a period between 10 to 25 years to be set by the trial judge. On December 11, 2007, after reading 18 victim impact statements, British Columbia Supreme Court Judge Justice James William sentenced Picton um, to life with no possibility of parole for 25 years, the maximum punishment for second-degree murder, and equal to the sentence which would have been imposed for a first-degree murder conviction. Justice Williams, in passing, the sentence said, quote, Mr. Picton's conduct was murderous and repeatedly so. I cannot know the details, but I know this. What happened to them was senseless and despicable. Um, so that was cool. <laughs> there were a couple of appeals from Picton, but they were dismissed and nothing changed. So I'm not going to talk about them. British Columbia Crown spokesman Neil McKenzie said that the 20 other murder charges will be discontinued, saying, quote, in reaching this position, the branch has taken into account the fact that any additional conviction could not result in an increase to the sentence that Mr. Picton has already received. So there was no trial for the 20 other murders. Gotcha. Um, some people were upset because... Doesn't they wanted justice, him on trial so for it. Yeah. Yeah. But some people were okay with it because they didn't really want the gruesome details of their loved one's murders to be like broadcasted. Um, the deputy chief constable Doug Leopard of the VPD apologized to the victims of the missing women's families. He said, quote, I wish from the bottom of my heart of my heart that we could have caught him sooner. I wish that the several agencies involved that we could have done better in so many ways. I wish that all the mistakes that were made we could undo and I wish that more lives could have been saved. So on my behalf and behalf of the Vancouver Police Department and all the men and women that worked in this investigation, I would say to the families how sorry we all are for your losses and because we did not catch that monster sooner. In June of 2018, Picton was allegedly transferred to Port Cartier in Quebec, which is a federal penitentiary. And now I will read all the victims to you. So bear with me, because names are not the greatest. <laughs> so on December 9, 2007, Picton was convicted of second-degree murder in the deaths, deaths of these six women. Serena Abatswa age 29 when she disappeared in 2001 her foster mother reported her missing on august 22nd 2001 mona lee wilson um age 26 when she went uh, to her doctor on november 30th 2001 and was reported missing that night andrea josbury age 22 was last seen in june of 2001 and was reported missing june 8th 2001 brenda ann wolf age 32 um last seen in february 1999 and was reported missing in april of 2000 Marnie Lee Frey, last seen in 1997, went missing, or reported missing in 1997, but of December. Georgina Faith Pappen, last seen in 1999, reported missing in 2001. So Picton also stood accused of first-degree murder for these 20 deaths. Jacqueline Michelle McDonald <laughs> and Rosemary Rock, 34, last um, seen in 2001. Heather Kathleen Bottomley, 27, last seen in 2001. Jennifer Lynn Fleminger, last seen in 1999. Helen May Hallmark, last seen in 1997. Patricia Rose Johnson, last seen in 2001. Heather 
Shinnok, uh, 30, last seen in 2001. Tanya Hulk, 23, last seen in 1996. Sherry Irving, 24, last seen in 1997. Inga Mo Monique Hall, 46, last seen in February 1998. Tiffany Drew, last seen in 1999. Sarah Diverse, last seen April 1998. Cynthia Felks, last seen December 1997. Andy Le Re Rebecca Jardin, last seen November 23rd, 1998 between 3.30 and 4 p.m. at a park in British Columbia. Diana Melnick, last seen in 1995. Jane Doe, um, the charges were lifted. Deborah Lynn Jones, last seen in 2000. Wendy Crawford, last seen in December 1999. Carrie Cossack, last seen in January 1998. Andrea Faye Barhaven, last seen in 1997. Kara Lewis Ellis, um, aka Nikki Trimble, last seen in 1996. Um, Picton is implicated in the murders of the following women, but charges were not held um, and have been laid. Mary Ann Clark, a.k.a. Nancy Greek, 25, disappeared in 1991 from downtown Victoria. Yovan Marie Bowen, sometimes used the surname England. Um, she was 33 and she was last seen March 16, 2001 and has been reported missing. Dawn Ter Teresa Cray, reported missing in 2000. Cray is the main subject of the 2006 documentary film about murdered and missing Aboriginal woman in Canada, uh, titled Finding Dawn. And then there were two more unidentified women. After Picton was arrested, many people started coming forward and talking to police about what was going on at the farm. One of these witnesses um, that came forward was Lynn Ellingson. Ellingson claimed uh, to have seen Picton skinning a woman hanging from a metal hook years earlier, and she did not tell anyone out of fear it also said that she used this fact to blackmail him a couple times, which I think if I saw someone skinning someone, I'd immediately tell the police, but I'm not her. But it's pretty good blackmail, I, I mean. I mean, it's great blackmail, <laughs> but still. <laughs> <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> and in 2015, a film with the working title, Full Flood, um, began production in Vancouver based on Stevie Cameron's book On the Farm, which was about Picton, and then it was released under the name Unclaimed, or also On the Farm. Hmm. And that's the end of it. He's in jail still and alive. That's weird. It is. When's his parole gonna, so he can try to start getting parole at 2030? 25 years after the trial? Oh, no, it ended in 2007, so 2033. Damn. That's 13 years away. It's not that far. I don't like that. Mm. I'm like the age of some of his victims when he gets out. That's gross. Yeah. Mm. Don't go to pig graves, people. <laughs> no matter how cool they seem. If it's in a slaughterhouse, you're probably going to get killed. Yeah. If it's titled Piggy Palace Good Time Society, you're definitely going to get killed. Should have seen it coming. It sounds like um, like a fast food restaurant that like serves barbecue. Yeah, like Piggy Palace. Piggy Palace. Is that a place? Is that a real place? Piggy Palace? I hope not. <laughs> oh. I mean. In the... um. The TV show, The Outsider, starring Jason Bateman, there's a 
it's on HBO. It's a Stephen King. It's not important. My parents watched it. Um, there's a, there's this child gets murdered and there's a, um, like a barbecue place. Cause someone's like in a trunk and they're like, I don't remember, but they like kind of remember it's a, and it's got a pig logo. And that's what I'm thinking of. Gotcha. There was a van parked outside of it. It's not, it's a good show. You should watch it. I think you might like it. What's it called again? The Outsider. It's on HBO. It's on Amazon gotcha. Prime. Yeah, I have. It's a, on the internet. Uh, Amazon Prime. I read that um, when I heard about him, the only reason I remember him is because when I was started listening to your guys' podcast, when you guys just came out, and then there was like another one where it's like two women. They don't drink wine though, so. Is it my favorite I, murder? I. No, no, it's not that one. It's another like true crime one. Elena listens to uh, my favorite murder, and we were just started to listen to that. It's good. Is it? And that's why I drink. Yes. The supernatural one. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I started like reading a bunch by myself on like those types of like crimes and trials and stuff in the recent couple of years, and I only remember him because of the like feeding pigs and stuff. And then he like kind of released a book whilst in yes. prison. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I was actually, it was like almost 50. Like it, they stopped me at 49. And I was like, okay, what? <laughs> I don't, I don't trust serial killers that are like, no, I actually like broke records with the amount of murders. Yeah. I'm so cool. <laughs> like there's this one guy, I think it's called like the happy face murder or something. Like that. It was like a truck stop murder. And they're like, 127 cases that he was like I killed so many people and that would like break records upon record it's like at this point like bro did you though yeah that's a lot of effort that's like a full-time job yeah (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like it's like a like if they didn't like catch you on it why are you gonna be like well actually I'm actually an even better murderer than what you thought (laughs) yeah clearly something's already wrong with them they just want like further news coverage and attention mm-hmm. too. Criminal Minds. We love Criminal Minds. It's always the white man. Yep. Except for that time it's the white woman. Once. Don't remember that Speaking one. Speaking <laughs> of Criminal Minds. So I donated a whole entire dollar to the Wisconsin Democratic Party. Because. Mm-hmm, because Sunday night they were hosting an an exclusive donor-only event, and it was the Princess Bride cast reunion. Whoa. They were doing a script reading. (laughs) And it has the guy from Gideon from Criminal Minds because he plays Inigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepare to die. Um, Plus the guy from Saw and Psych. The only reason that I watch Criminal Minds. Love that bitch. And I was so excited, but Andre's dead though. I yeah. Did you know I share a birthday with him? I did know that. Um, what's that guy? The guy who voices Olaf Olaf from Frozen played him. Oh, okay. And Finn Wolfhard played the child that's getting the book read to him. Yeah. Which was surprising to me because they're the guy who reads the book, the old man, still alive, love him. Oh. Um, he was like, cause like the, the moderator was Patton Oswald, and, um, he was like, we, we have almost the whole cast here. And the guy was like, yeah, we have the whole cast that's still alive here to clarify. Right. People weren't like, no, fuck the democratic <laughs> party of Wisconsin. 
Um, so that was cool. And like their whole like opening statement was like, we need to get Trump out of office. And I was like, nice. Go Princess Bride. I'm happy for them being liberals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was exciting to me. That's so that cute. Mm-hmm. Nice. I thought you were going to like relate it back somehow and be like, they did a, a original cast reading of like Babe or something <laughs> like Charlotte's Web. <laughs> No, but, but, but Wellesley, Wesley, what was his name, was a farm boy, so. Right. Got it. Just looking for, like, some cool twists, like, as Wilbur is played by Pink- Pinkleton, or. <laughs> he actually played Wilbur from his prison cell. Um, so, so Zoom meeting. <laughs> Little Zoom meeting from prison. Mm-hmm. He just called in. Um, so it's your turn. Okay. Well, I think that, um, what's his first name? Dave? We're going to call him Davey Boy. It's not Dave. His name is Robert William Willie Pickton. So let's just say Willie is, um, is Babe. And he's all jacked up on his ingestion of females, apparently, exclusively. And he's ingesting all of these people. And now he has, you know, super... I hate to break it to you, but I've never seen Babe. Okay. So Babe is um, a 1995 classic. uh, So you need to watch it. But it's a live... It's like in the weird age of... Crap, what company makes it? I forget. The dogs that talk, but they put peanut butter in their mouths. Right. Like it's snow like in that weird age of like a decade or a decade and a half where there was just like movie after movie after movie for kids that was like live actual animals and they made them like talk and stuff. And it was great. Loved it. It was like so believable as a kid. But yeah, no. So he, Babe, the pig, is like a little piglet and he's bought or won in an auction or something by uh the like main farmer of the story i forgot his name too and he was originally got to like get fat and stuff and be the christmas pig but he discovers this unique talent that he has via the collie sheepdog that border collie whatever on the form that's like hurting the the sheep and stuff and he's like, oh, I could do that too. I don't need to die. Ha ha ha. And starts fucking hurting the sheep just like he's a dog. So the farmer's like, oh, wow, I could really do this and uh, win a contest or something. And he like wins his life by hurting sheep instead of getting fat for Christmas. Is that really a, t- a skill that pigs, like, is that like a cool skill for a pig to just chase some sheep? I mean, if you think about a pig, I don't really see one running fast and hurting <laughs> I suppose, but I, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I'll believe it. I don't know. The whole premise of the movie, I guess, is, like, to show kids, like, oh, you can do, like, anything no matter who you are. It doesn't matter with, like, preconceived notions, and I just think that's cute because it's just, like, wrong, but. It's wrong? Yeah. Yeah. What are you trying to say, Antonio? um that we live in a unjust society (laughs) it was not realistic it was trying to teach kids a cool good lesson but that's not how the world works Mm -hmm. i mean my mom on the phone 
yesterday said that I could be a millionaire from positivity. So sounds fake. Yeah, that's what I told her. And she's like, no. Financial advisor woman on the radio said that it's all about positivity. Right. I'll definitely be more positive if I'm, if yeah. I'm making more money. So I think maybe she's right. It just works in reverse. Who knows? <laughs> Not me. I think if you have money, you're more positive. Well, yeah, maybe. But then... Unless I, you're my... I, who, who knows? Not me. <laughs> Unless you're my painting teacher. And he really, he really pushed in the fact that you're not happier with money. And he made us watch TED Talks about it. That's cool. My it bills like, disagree. It was like once you reach like, it was like a threshold of like a livable, like a, you know, like you're sad oh, yeah. until, and then anyone here and above you are just it. as happy. Completely agree with those details. Yeah. So like, if I mean, like if I could afford rent, like I'm sure I'd be happy, you know? Right. Yeah. Not stressing as much. Right. Dave, on the other hand, trying to earn rent by not getting eaten for Christmas. So he did good on himself, and he was pretty positive about it, herding sheep and stuff. And I'm sure that Willie boy would have been the same thing, getting to 50 murders. Yeah. I, you know, I'm concerned because he, they never even said, like, why he murdered anyone, you know? Normally, they're mm. like, oh, well, he murdered people because he couldn't get a boner or something. Oh, Okay. You don't, do you not know what I'm talking about? I thought you watched Criminal Minds. Right, but I just think in real life, the, like, they don't have a trial to figure that out. No, I know. I just, I, mean, I just think, I thought someone would said something. Like, maybe right. they would get him analyzed by a psychologist who would be like, well, he is What's why. up with this dude? <laughs> he hates living on a pig farm, you know? But it didn't say anything. He really wanted to disc jockey for his raves, and he just went crazy and started shooting people with a dildo pistol, so. I wonder that, like, there should have been a, like, off-the-beaten-path Mythbusters show that, like, went into the details of, like, how all these people were murdered, like, with the crazy little details, like, putting the dildo on the gun as, like, Does a makeshift. Does it actually work as a silencer? Yeah, and, like, testing to see all of those things like did it actually work for them like what went on without interviewing the person because you don't want to get them more popular but it'll be like ted bundy said that he used like a handsaw (laughs) to like rip apart this corpse so we have this fake corpse and we're gonna see how long it takes us sponsored by dwalt tools like something (laughs) like that the best tool to rip apart a corpse is right did you watch uh, the the Ted Bundy on Netflix? I forgot what they, they named the ex- it. Extremely vile, shockingly evil, blah, 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 blah. Yes, I watched it. Did you like it? Um, like, I didn't dislike it. It was long. And I thought it was really interesting because I didn't know about his escapes until... Yeah, um, I didn't know that he had escaped. Yeah, and, like, he escaped so easily, and then he went to Florida, and he bit that girl's ass, you know, or whatever, and, that um, really I, did it, man. yeah, right, the teeth, you can't yeah. bite anyone, you gotta he put, like, wanted some nice cake, like, can't blame him, but, like, that's a little too weird. Um, I thought Zac Efron was great, I, you mm-hmm. know, good for him, um, I liked that woman, 
who played Which one? his wife, girlfriend. Oh, yeah. She's, what's her name? I don't know. She was in Love, Rosie. When I was watching that, all I kept seeing were parallels to that and the Stranger Things show because, like, she leaves the husband and then there's this other guy and then the other guy from work looks like him. Remember? Mm -hmm. The guy in Stranger Things with the video camera, he kind of looked like the friend from work in the Ten Buddy Netflix show that was like, you need to leave him. He's destroying you. Yes. Yes. I agree. <laughs> now that we yeah, it's been it's been like over a year since I saw it. The movie. Right. So I you know, I liked it. I remember the the end scene when she's like, How did you kill her? And he's like, you know, Yeah. That was wild. You know? Yeah. I thought it I thought it was good. What have I recently seen? I saw mid nineties. Do you know what that is? Nope. It's an A twenty four film. When you were born, yeah. <laughs> it's an A24 film, and it was um, directed and made or whatever by uh, Jonah Hill. And Not it's a, he's an actor. Mm-hmm. He was in Moneyball. Um, and also the comic relief fat guy character for a lot of movies. You're. You're. Um, but it was, I didn't like it, mid-90s. I hate to hate on A24 films consistently, but it's just something about them that just don't don't um don't hit right butter my biscuit yeah you know like it's like so it was about skateboarders and i was down because you know how much i love skateboarders so i was like cool (laughs) skateboarders i was like skater bros you know like i think that's a cool group to do like a cultural movie about sort of right and i know that he hired non-actors he hired skateboarders to play skateboarders Oh, if it was, like, to explore skateboarder culture, which it kind of was, he was, like, a 12-year-old or whatever, and he was, like, learning to skateboard, and it was, like, this one skater dude who wanted to go pro, the other dude was, like, a stoner guy, and he, like, you know, wanted, he skated for fun, he was, like, I feel free, and there was, like, they would chat with, like, homeless people, there's a guy named Fourth Grade, and he, like, videotaped everything on his little camera, and it was really cute, and you, like, see the skateboarder culture, and I liked that, but there was a scene, and the main actor is, like, a 12-year-old boy. And the other actress is a girl who played a teenager who had a sex scene in the show Euphoria. So you know that she's at least 18 years old, probably sure. 22. Yep. And they make out for a consistent amount of time. And it's weird because he's actually a child and she's actually an adult. But then it like cuts because, you know, I'm not here to watch pornography. And then he comes out, and the bros are like, bro, what'd you do? And he's like, she put my fingers in her vagina. And I'm like, but you're, like, 12 for real, though, you know? And she's, like, 16 in the movie, but he's still 12. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. And I didn't think that needed to be there. And that, That's not it. It's not, not it. And I was that. like, oh, that's not what I'm here about, you know? And I was like, if they made him 16, if they made him not look like he's three foot tall and a baby then I might have been I might have been okay with it but he's not so it made me uncomfy and I just couldn't enjoy the rest of the movie I was like why did you add that what does that add for me nothing being uncomfortable and then it just ended he got they got into a drunk driving incident and he was in the hospital and all his skater boyfriends were sitting in the hospital waiting for him and the mom came out and she was like oh shit like they're really his friends because they waited for him in this hospital after getting to this drunk driving incident. And then the movie ended. And there was, like, no conclusion. That's weak. And as someone who's taken it five 
days worth of film classes. <laughs> I can thoroughly say that it wasn't there. I wasn't there for it. Like I liked like technically the aspect ratio was interesting. I think it was filmed on one of those cameras from the 90s. I liked some of the scenes. There's a scene when they're skating down a highway. That was pretty, but the plot wasn't there for me. Come on, Jonah. Yeah. Expected good things. I did too. I just recently rewatched Pet Cemetery. The old one or the new one? The new one. Oh, I haven't seen it. It's good still. I heard, well, I listened to the Dead Meat podcast on it, so I know what happens. I'm going to spoil it. We're going to spoil it. They do the switcheroo. So instead of the baby dying, it's the girl. Everyone dies. Well, no, but I mean initially. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they weren't very loyal. I like... For movies, for me, especially because, like, I love horror, thriller, like, suspense, I, like, to be scared and watch a movie and like captivates you like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing like a quote unquote remake uh, or like using a storyline from some, like obviously that's a really popular story by Stephen King. So like, if you're not going to do justice to it, like don't, don't use the original story like as a script. So that's why I liked the new one like so, so much because they didn't really pay homage to it like that much. Like some of the major details were there. Yeah. They kind of made it their own. Yeah. And like the mask thing, the masky masks, those were like really added a new element for me. So, yeah. I saw the original Pet Cemetery in middle school. Um, And my favorite part of it, when he, it's the end, he like kills the baby, like with the injection, and the baby's waddling down the hall, and he looks over and he just goes, No fair. And then he fucking dies. And <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so funny. Uh, the baby, so like, this is a real ass baby. <laughs> he just turns around. He's just like, that's not fair, man. You know, he's like, I'm a baby. Like, what do you expect from me? Also, the yeah. angle cut. I heard, since I haven't seen the new one, that they like, uh, they like kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, they almost do the ankle ankle cut, like, you know, because we all know it's under the bed ankle situation, but then they, like, don't do it. They don't do it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another spoiler, yeah, he goes upstairs for that scene, and he, they, like, keep showing from the perspective. That's another thing that I, like, geek out about for, like, cinema is, like, how things are shot. Not only is, like, the music and everything, but I really like angles and, like, different reflections and stuff. Because when I'm watching a movie, I'm, like, looking in the background all the time. So when, Mm -hmm. like, especially for Hereditary, like, all the little things that happen in the background, love that shit. But in that scene, they, like, shoot it under the bed, like, looking at his feet. So you're like, oh, my gosh, she's there. And then he thinks that she's there all of a sudden. So he, like, kicks the bed, but nothing's there. And then it happens on the stairs, Stairs, like, five seconds later. But didn't they do that because in the trailer it was shown on the stairs? Like, I think, like, if I hadn't seen the trailer... Right. I would, you know, because we all expect it to happen because we know yeah. the iconic Achilles tendon situation. So that's, yep. you know. You know, the thing about my film class, let me rant for a second here. He does not like teen slasher films. Um, and since I spend about uh, three hours a day 
watching YouTube videos that explore um, why slasher films are good and why certain horror films are good and like the basis of different societies and like what's going on at the time and why this was important and this and that and blah, 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 cinematography, because that's what I'm interested in. It really hurts me deep inside. And today we're talking about genres in class and he keeps showing us old ass movies, which is okay, I guess, but they're kind of bad. And he was like, what's everyone's favorite genre? He's like, say your favorite genre. And like, I have anxiety. <laughs> so like, I haven't spoken up in class, but if I raised my hand, and was like, my favorite genre is horror. He'd be like, explain. And I'd be like, oh, sir. Because like, I like horror in the respect to like, it's context in society. Not to mention, like, I like this, the, the technical aspects too, but I like learning about like how Halloween was like about the stranger danger and such like that. But he doesn't focus on that because we go to a technical, like, engineering school. So he's all, like, technical about it, which is kind of rude. He's like, we're not going to get political. <laughs> and, like, I get, like, he said we're not going to get political. And I was like, I get not getting political for the current election. But, like, are we not going to get political ever? Because I feel like certain movies were made at a certain time to do certain things. And they, you know, right. and we haven't yet, it's been four weeks, talked about anything with, like, the meaning of the movie. And it's all been, like, he used blue in this scene. And we're like, mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> we had to watch a really Western. life-changing. We had to watch a I Western. Do. I love Westerns. No, no, no. I, it was called The Searchers. It has John, it was starring John Wayne, who, by the way, is kind of ugly, but it's whatever. <gasps> I'll hurt him. It came out in 56. That's probably not the peak of his career. And there was a scene in the movie, this, like, the girl, uh, Debbie, is this child. She gets kidnapped by Native Americans. And, um, but there's a scene when he, like, first enters the, we spent 30, no, we, we spent an hour on how the sister-in-law was in love with John Wayne through subtle glances. And <laughs> it was truly awful. I was like, well, what's the point of it? Like, why? Because she dies immediately in the film. Mm -hmm. She dies five minutes into this film. Okay. <laughs> Who cares if she was in love with him? Why did the director do that? Like, what's the point? It had nothing to do with the plot. I guess John Wayne would be like, oh, I'm so sad. The girl I liked is dead. But, like, his whole family's dead, too. So maybe he, like, cares about that one, too. You know? But he was like, if you see right. this, is a family shot. And then the next shot... Debbie's by herself because she's going to get separated from the group eventually because she gets kidnapped by the Native American women. And I'm like, I was like, are you sure you're not looking into it? It's like when a professor's like, like read this book. And you're like, okay. And he's like, what do you think this, he, this author did this for? And you're like, because he thought that was nice, you know? And it's, he's like really looking into it. And it's kind of annoying. Yeah. I never enjoyed that aspect of classes right? like that. Like sometimes it's fun. Like I watched the Zodiac over the Zodiac over the weekend and like I recognize that their color that they use is yellow. And I never noticed that before and I've seen Zodiac three times. So that's cool. So he taught you how to look at colors. They're like, what color does he use? And we watched Moulin Rouge today. And apparently he was like, Who's seen this? And I was the only one to raise my hand. And I was like, really? Out of how many people? Like, 35. That's rude. 
right? And I was like, no one's seen Moulin Rouge, and I didn't like Moulin Rouge, but that doesn't matter. But I've seen it, and he was like talking about um, like the frame, like what's in the image, and he was like, this is a clustered film, and I was like, no shit, sir, have you seen it? Like, anyway, we talked about Jaws for like half a second, and I thought that was fun. But this that's class awesome. isn't really. I wanted to talk more about the meanings behind films, and that's not happening. Right. Mm, I agree. But a student of his directed the movie Final Girls, which is one of my favorite parody horror films. I haven't seen that one. It's got um the guy from Silicon Valley in it, and Tessa Farmiga, and then a couple other actresses. The woman from like Vampire Diaries is in it, and they like get sucked into a horror movie, like a slasher film. Um, well, but it, it's a comedy. It's a comedy horror film. So it's right. like, they're like, there's one scene when they're like running from the like masked killer and she's like, tell the flashback story. And she does. And then they like get zapped into the flashback so that they can get away from the killer because it's a slow-mo scene. Um, but that's his <laughs> student. So that was cool. He also, the student, same student directed, isn't it romantic, which is that Rebel Wilson rom-com film with the Hemsworths. Yeah, he's got connections. Low-key, right. but connections. He went to uh, Columbia for film. Hmm. It felt wrong to me. I think it's Columbia. He's a real film dude. He just doesn't like horror movies, and I like really like horror movies. Yeah, same. So. It's tough. It's tough, you know? Yeah, it's a niche. Yeah. But it is spooky season. It's coming it up. It is spooky. So we got that coming. So it's Halloween. What's it on a Friday? Saturday? Maybe. Can't have parties because of coronavirus. Yeah. Um, Zach was telling me that RA Zach was telling me that he already had to send quite a few students home and break up a couple of small gatherings. Damn. Halloween is on a Saturday. Yeah, it's like perfect, right? Yep. There was, like, a lot of things. It was, like, the whole month of 420 was 420 because it's 2020 and everyone was pissed. And then, like, Halloween's on a Saturday, you know. There was a bunch of holidays, yeah. But whatever. I get to go. I'm going on a camping trip in December. Where? <laughs> Florida. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what else? Oh, today, the clock at our new location at Control Alt Deli fell off the wall and shattered on the floor. It was, it was quite weird. No, no, no. It was a completely different clock. It's just like the global market clock. And you're not supposed to be there. That's what I'm like. There were two skater boys and there was a giant smashing noise. And I was like, what could these skater boys have dropped? And I walked out and the whole clock's just on the floor and it was not them. But Zach, not R.A. Zach, Chef Zach, came mm. out and he said, I guess time doesn't fly, and then immediately exited the location. <laughs> I love him. He's been making more and more dad jokes. He got a new dog. It's a lab. It likes water. Uh, he's so showing he's me in pictures. dad mode. Completely. Every time I go back into the kitchen, I'm like, where's the naan bread? And he's like, we don't have naan. And like naan, like we don't have any, but it's naan bread. It's... I got it. He makes a joke every time. Like, I was like, huh? The first time? And I was like, oh, I get it. And then, like, <laughs> the next seven times, it's like, mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> it's like, we get it. Uh, we haven't get it, been getting any customers, really, at the deli. So half our, not half, our hours were cut. 
tragic. Nice. I, got, I got one hour cut because I was going over my 20 hour limit. So your hours aren't being cut? <laughs> my hours aren't cut because I'm a student manager, but my closing right. shifts went Priority. from six people to three. Ooh. Closing is really not hard though. Damn. Six was a lot. We didn't need them, but it's still like kind of sad. Right. They, they were just trying to spread the love. Yeah. So if you ever want to come by campus and buy a $7 sandwich. Yeah, I honestly almost did last week. And then I was with Sarah. And then I realized, one, she didn't have a mask. Two, I didn't have a mask. And we weren't supposed to be on campus for that long. Why are you out and about without masks? Because we were just dropping off Zach's truck. So we went from, that's when we were moved when we were moving so it was, actually it was two weeks ago but yeah he let us borrow his big trucky truck and i drove it back to the campus got back in my car didn't talk to anyone mm. and then i was like deli food and we went all the way to global village and then i was like no masks full yeah target selling really nice masks i um, saw yeah nice nice it's exciting i have one. a orange floral one for the fall season <laughs> for that <laughs> yeah it's nice it's it's hanging up behind me I see, right I see. Yes. yeah i had to hem the sides because i'm i wear a child size mask and the small medium ones at target are just like i have to tie the the back parts but the sides kind of pop out a little right so i just folded and so do a little do a little zhuzh yeah but now it looks it's good it's a nice mask nice mm-hmm. yeah and two dollars so i was going to get one because i just keep washing my current one and they weren't made to last that long so yeah probably skip on over there crazy times crazy times uh, thanks everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for being my guest. Um, you can follow us at Screen of the Crime on all social medias. Our website is Screen of the Crime PO dot Wixite. That's my site. No, dot Wixite dot com slash my site. It's it looks one. new. I updated it. If anyone wants to check it out, it looks pretty jazzy. Um, pretty swanky. <laughs> um, don't kill anyone. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Bye.